This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 172. Boom. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he'd rather snowboard than ski, knuckle dragger, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and, and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, if, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Paflin here. Thank you so much for joining me. This is session 172 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. I'm feeling great, and I'm excited because we have a great guest on the show today. His name is Peter Vug. That's V-O-O-G-D. The D is silent. He's the CEO of GameChangersMovement.com and is the leading authority on Gen Y leadership. He's trained close to 5,000 young entrepreneurs, and he's training us today. He's got a lot of great advice to share. He has an amazing story coming from 15 and broke, by 23 making his first uh, six-figure income and then going on to make seven figures later on. He has a best-selling book called Six Months to Six Figures. Yes, Six Months to Six Figures, and I actually asked him about that title, if that's even possible, what the deal is with that. And uh, we talk a lot about business and strategy and leveling up your business, taking it to the next stage and all this great stuff. He and I connected very quickly because we just share a lot of the same thoughts. And uh, here he is. This is Peter Vug from GameChangersMovement.com. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Peter Vug, and I'm so happy because we have somebody who's going to help a lot of you out there who are listening. So, Peter, welcome to the SPA podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, and I, I really am excited to be here, Pat. I've listened to your podcast for, for quite a long time, so I'm honored, man. Dude, tell us really quick about how you got started with entrepreneurship. You started at a very young age, and actually, I have a lot of young entrepreneurs in the audience to the likes of even eight, nine, ten years old, and I think especially you having started so early and working with a lot of young entrepreneurs, you can help them out, especially, although I know this content's going to be helpful for everybody, but tell us how you got started. Yeah, 
I want to first respect all of you guys that are entrepreneurs right now or taking the leap. It, there's no better feeling, and I think everyone should experience the exhilaration of being an entrepreneur. But yeah, I started when I was 13, 14 years old. And the reality is, Pat, I, I felt like I was a unique child growing up. I, I always spoke up. I was getting in trouble in school, and I got reprimanded for speaking out. And I was always <laughs> kind of put in a box by the teachers. And, and, and it's funny, when you speak out and when you try to be different in school, it's looked down upon, you get in trouble. And right. in entrepreneurship, it's the exact opposite, which is really weird. So entrepreneurship really saved my life. So when I was 15, I got into eBay and started mm. buying and selling things on eBay because I, I just like, it was actually Air Jordan shoes at first. Then I went to other things, but <laughs> I was nice. young and I liked basketball. So I You're a sneakerhead. Definitely. And I, I recently sold most of them, but I had too many pairs of shoes. Now I'm realizing what, what am I going to do with, with all these shoes, right? <laughs> you and Chris Ducker would get along very well. <laughs> oh, it's funny. He just, we just emailed back and forth yesterday. It's funny you said that. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to tell him that. So anyways, the, the big turning point for me, Pat, was I was 15. My dad owned a construction company and my friends would all work for him. And it was just hard labor. And I, I realized at a young age, I did not like the hard labor route. I'm not sure why. I just, I couldn't stand it. And mm -hmm. one day I was uh, helping my dad for probably about, a, I had an eight hour shift and I was on the half hour. And I'm like, you know, dad, I just have things to do today. And he's thinking you're 15. What are you going to do? He knew I didn't like hard labor, but the reality is I, I wanted to go check how eBay was doing. So long story short, that day I had made $91 on a profit from one of the shoes I sold. And my friend was shoveling sand all day, Pat, and made $65. I believe it was seven or eight bucks an hour. So mm. I'm sitting there like, I just made $91 and my friend made $60 working eight hours. And I just put something on eBay. But I think people need to realize I actually got paid for taking the risk and the courage to think differently. But that was it for me. Seeing that I could make money online without physical labor or having to be there and more based on my brain power, it was, it was a game changer for me. And I knew I was never going to go back. So that was kind of the first uh, turning point. Mm -hmm. And then from there, kind of where did you go? Because obviously eBay is great, but it's hard to sustain it. Only a few people have had actual businesses on eBay for a while and eBay has changed obviously since then. Where did you go from there? Definitely. So I did that for quite a while and it was great to have money and, and be able to pay for everything myself when I was uh, middle school, high school. And what's funny is I, after a couple of years of being an entrepreneur, I was, I think 19, 18, 19 and everybody around me, Pat was getting just the normal jobs. And, and even my mm -hmm. parents and friends, they, they kind of were pushing me into just trying a normal job. And I'm like, I don't want the normal job with the normal lifestyle, with the normal paycheck, but Literally, because pressure, I, I tried a normal job. So I got a job valeting cars at a casino. And I remember just sitting there and realizing that no matter how much work I put in, I was only paid exactly what they thought I was worth. And I really, it was frustrating. So I worked there for about two and a half months, three months, stopped doing that, and I got into sales. So when I was 20 years old, I got into sales. So that was the only normal job I had was working a valet at a casino. And I'll obviously never go back. Mm -hmm. Nothing against jobs like that, but it's, I'd rather be in control of what I'm worth and based on the value I bring versus other people's opinions and, and when, right. when I can leave. And, and I'm sure most of your audience is the same way, right? That was the hard thing for me. Like when I left architecture, I realized that there were a lot of people who were above me in the architecture world who were actually working a lot less or even just incredibly lazy and me working as hard as I was, I wasn't even making as much as those people. I had the exact same experience uh, where someone was, had been there a year more than me, did bare minimum. I actually got a letter written about me from a customer, Pat, saying what great customer service. I would try to go the extra mile, 
Right. At some point when I saw someone else that had just been there longer, he was older, but he did bare minimum. It really frustrated me. And I had this inner drive, like I have to do something else that's based on my potential. So it's funny that you had the same experience where it almost didn't make sense. Right, right. Uh, I, we just hear, oh, this is the path that we're supposed to go down and we go down that path. And speaking of that, did you go to college or did you end up kind of becoming an entrepreneur and yes. forego college? Yes, so I, I did go to college at University of Oregon and studied a couple of different things. Nice, and I went to business. go Ducks. Yeah, go Ducks. And I went to, uh, took some business classes and went to business school there as well. And yes, I went there and I, I learned some great stuff, had some connections, but most of the stuff I learned is from being in sales, from running businesses, from being in the trenches. A lot of stuff that I learned was more theory-based versus actual experience. So mm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that. So after I got into sales, I worked my way up to a district manager where, where I ran my own sales organization up in the Seattle area, which was great. And I realized that I had a lot of scalability where I was able to build a team around me. And, and the problem was I didn't really learn leadership or systemization or how to attract A players and the right people. So I had a decent amount saved. And this was my another pretty bad failure was I, I lost all the money I had. And I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week because I thought Pat, just passion and drive and energy was enough to succeed but I didn't have any real strategies or mentors. So what happened was I, I went broke and I was working 50 hours a week and I thought I had to work more hours. So then I would go up to 60 hours and then mm -hmm. I would, another society myth, right? The more hours you work, the better it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're in 1996, right? When you're a janitor, but not in entrepreneurship. So the reality is I worked 70, then I got up to 80 hours and I couldn't do it. I was physically burnt out and I wasn't getting any better of results. And what changed the game for me was I realized my circle of influence was all doing the same thing as me. They were burnt out. They were struggling. And I heard a quote that changed the game for me. And it was, if you want to be a millionaire, talk to billionaires, you'll get there quicker. And mm. I, I never had heard that before. And it really just sparked the light bulb. Like, wow, I need to start elevating my circle of influence. And I realized that I had to get into personal growth. And I did. I bought every course, audio, video. I was listening to... Uh, YouTube and reading every book I could, but I had information overload. So I, I was, long story short, I got into uh, team leadership, finally figured it out and was able to get great results. And I was still working a lot, but I finally learned how to get the results I wanted in my business and was able to do a million plus dollars in sales. But my problem was, is I was still working 70, 80 hours a week. And I was thinking, I need to do this, Pat, in less hours and learn how to scale and how to systemize and how to make sure I'm not trading time for money. So that's when I went on a studying rampage for literally six, seven, eight months, studying productivity, entrepreneurship, every successful person I could. And I was able to increase my results double and scale back my time to 25, 30 hours a week as well. And, and was able to do that for, for quite a bit. And then a couple of years ago, I wanted to, so I had a comfortable six-figure income, but I wanted to kind of build my own brand and do my own thing. So I reached out and connected with some other entrepreneurs in, in the online space and speaking space and author space and was able mm -hmm. to get some mentors there. And now I've been able to build the brands and was able to create the six-figure income in multiple industries because of what I learned in my sales job as well. So that's kind of the short story, but now- So I'm, six figures in multiple industries. So you're, you're not just doing one thing in one space, but you have several versions of this sort of 
strategy that you're using in different industries. Yeah, it's, I'm getting paid a, a couple different, it's funny, I was just talking to John Lee Dumas about this, uh, getting paid nine or 10 different ways. And I'm trying to multiply and scale at a high level, the right way, systemized and making sure that I'm adding as much value as possible too. So we can dive into that. But yeah, I, I realized too, that you have to make sure that you're creating things now and being strategic and intentional now with your time and efforts to where you're creating more free time for your future and you're multiplying it as well. So, right. and you talk a lot about that in your show. Right. Well, thank you for sharing all that. It, I think to everybody else out there listening, it's very inspiring, but also they want details. They want the meat, right? And you had talked about, I, and I love this, you had said that you had had the passion, drive, and energy, but what was kind of holding you back before was you didn't have the strategy and the mentors. And I think obviously the mentorship is obviously very important, increasing that circle of influence that you have. And I've talked a lot about connecting with other people, mastermind groups, networking, and those sorts of things. And then you talked about being able to strategize and then systematize and scale. Can you give any details on how one might be able to go and do that? Because I think uh, I, I would say most of the people in my audience who are listening right now, they have the passion, have the drive, they have the energy, or they wouldn't be listening to this show and spending hours listening to all of us who are on the uh, as guests and stuff. But then where do they go from there? How do they strategize? What are those steps that are involved with helping people actually become an entrepreneur instead of staying a entrepreneur? Def definitely. Good question. Well, first, you have to realize that you have to start doing the unrequired work that most people aren't willing to do. Whatever is easier to do, it, it really is. It's easy to listen to a podcast. It's easy to read a book. It's easy to go to a seminar these days. It's actually easy to wake up a little bit earlier than most. But if everyone's doing it, you're not going to get the reward. So you got to figure out what's the unrequired work that really you need to master and, and practice daily on that's going to yield the biggest results. So I think when it comes to system, you have to define, Pat, first. Let's just, before we even get to a system, as an entrepreneur, you have to define what's most important to you. Because if you don't, you're just going to jump from opportunity to opportunity and not have any standards for yourself right. or your future business. So you have to figure out what's important. I think the key focus here is figuring out your strong skill, mixing it with your passion, and then solving a problem people care about, right? That's the first step. And I think if you wanted to systemize it, you need to figure out who you need and really what your strengths are and how to make sure that you're hiring the right people to fulfill those roles. But like I always say, you don't need to know the answer. You need to develop relationships and shift your circle of influence to the people who are already doing what you want to do, and they can give you the answers. See, a smart person, I think, learns from their mistakes, as all successful people do. But I think those wanting the world-class results that people are listening want learn from other people's mistakes so they can cut their learning curve in half and not waste as much time making them. So mm -hmm. what I would do, Pat, is figure out what industry you want to be in. Make sure it's something that'll keep you fascinated and engaged, something that's scalable, something that matches your core values, and then find the top three to five in that industry and ask them where the mistakes they made were, what you need to do to make sure you're cutting your learning curve in half and getting to the level they're at. So there's different systems. So if you're building a sales organization like I did, I think the three things that you want to make sure you have when you're building a sales team is one, expectations, very clear and precise expectations of what you need from your people. And of course, you want to hire very slow and fire very fast. Sadly, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do the opposite where they're hiring very fast and they fire very slow because mm. they get their feelings involved, right? That's a guaranteed way to go broke is get all your feelings involved when you're hiring and firing. You have to make sure it's a, 
intelligent business decision. But the first step is expectations. And then you have to have within every area of your organization accountability, systems in place, whether it's checklists, whether it's blueprints, to where if you leave the business, you can hand it over to somebody and they can tell you exactly what they're doing for the next week or for that specific, whether it's a marketing system or whether it's uh, keeping track of your sales reps or whatever. And then the last thing is feedback to where you have to have a system in place where you give people feedback and not just give them feedback on what to do, but tell them what they're doing well and ask them how they feel they can improve and then give them, teach them how to get better, teach them how to reach out and learn things so you're not babysitting, but you're actually teaching them how to be a leader as well. So we can go a lot of different ways with systemizing, Pat, depending on the business. Um, But that's kind of the focus when you're building a sales team is making sure that you really find the right people and you're defining their roles and making sure that you define the values that you want in somebody, whether it's their past success, confidence, attitude, um, their skills. I'm a big believer in hiring the best at what they do and hiring for your weaknesses, where if I have a weakness, I'm going to find someone that that's their strength and, and kind of build the dream team that way, if that makes sense. All right. I mean, I think it, whatever kind of business you're going to end up creating, it's all about understanding who you are and what you're good at. Then if you hire other people, you hire, like you said, on your own weaknesses, who can sort of fill in those gaps instead of what a lot of us try to do is become that one man show, which is what I tried to do for a long time. Same with me, <laughs> you know, and, and, and learn and it's good to learn, but you know, it's also good to optimize what you already good at and then find other people to help fill in those so gaps. Let's talk. I want to, I want to dig in real quick and can we just go any angle with this? Any angle. I love it. So you've had the same experience. I, I remember listening to your podcast with Michael Hyatt and I'm thinking he's, he's a big deal. And he's like, I was doing all the podcasts myself. So I know if people that are big are doing this, you know, entrepreneurs are doing this worldwide, doing everything themselves. Why do you think that is? Let's dig to the core of that. Why, why are people trying to do everything themselves? Is it the lack of money where they don't want to spend the money or what? Uh, I mean, I think that's a part of it. A lot of people who I know are getting into get hiring VAs and stuff are just worried about the ROI on that. Uh, you know, so they feel like why pay somebody else something for something they could already do themselves? You know, I think that's I think that's part of it. But for me, more so, it was just the pride that goes into creating something mm-hmm. that's my own and almost not necessarily selling out, but sort of just saying, hey, you go do this while I go do something else, even though I could do it myself. It doesn't feel like it's my own anymore. And I had the same feeling where I want to figure everything out myself. But then at some point, when you really look at the values, like this is not making sense. (laughs) Exactly. It's not making sense at all to do all this yourself. You have to find other people. And John Maxwell, I learned years ago, if someone can do something 80% as good as you, you better delegate that. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. So I just want to hit on that because I I think people need to realize you're going to get to your end result a lot faster. You're going to impact more people a lot faster if you find the right people and figure out what your low dollar value activities are, what are your high dollar value activities, what are your no value activities, and what are your lifetime value activities, which are things that are scaled, legacy-based, like writing a book or creating a program or a course. Those are, you don't get paid immediately, but they're high lifetime value. And I think people need to really focus on lowering the low dollar and no value work or delegating it and hiring the high dollar profit producing activities and putting rituals in their schedule, Pat, to make sure those happen week in, week out. Because in entrepreneurship, you don't have people showing up telling you what to do. You have right. to figure it out. Right. And, have the and that's the hard parts. part. I yeah, mean, that, that, that was a lot. That was, I was a really good architect. 
because I had a project manager who would always tell me what to do and I would do it really well, <laughs> really fast. And then when I got laid off and got onto my own stuff, you know, it was hard to, it you're was like, hard where's to that through. guy at? He's not yeah. here. And, and luckily I got connected with people who became that person, you know, my, my mentors and p- other people in mastermind groups who would tell me what to do. And then I would follow those directions and then go do them and go back to them and say, okay, what else now? And that's the kind of mindset you have to have in order to keep being pushed forward. If you're that type of person who needs somebody to tell you what to do, not everybody is that way, but I was that way. And even now today, I still get a lot of advice. I always seek advice. I always seek help and get feedback, not just from mentors and people in my mastermind groups, from, but also people in my audience as well, who often give me directions and uh, give me good advice on where I should be going next or how things look on that side and kind of helping me de- determine what, what direction to go down. Um, but Man, I, I, I love this conversation. Let's keep going. You, you had mentioned, you know, writing a book, and I know you wrote a book, a best-selling book called Six Months to Six Figures. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, is that a realistic expectation in terms of building a business? Can you build, can you really build a six-figure business in six months? Because to me personally, that sounds like it's a, it's very fast and faster than, quote, normal. And in my own experience, the businesses I've created that have done the best have taken a year to a year and a half before I've started to see that return on investment and not just in money to create that, but also the time. Can you give us more information on six months to fig- six figures and what, what that is? And is that truly possible? Yeah, definitely. Good question. And uh, and it says in the book, I'm not I mean, when you read it, it's more about having the best six months you've ever had, whether it's from six to seven figures, whether it's making 60 grand or getting out of the hole. Um, but for me, I personally did it. You have to have a platform, Pat. You have to, like I talk about, you have to, someone in your industry has had to done it. You have to be in the right industry. Like if you're working at the mall and you read six months of six figures, you can't go up to your boss at, at Wendy's and say, I, I got to do this. I need to get paid a hundred dollars an hour. You know what I mean? So it, it does... <laughs> show exactly the industries you have to be in entrepreneurship wise, what the questions to ask are. But personally, it's more about how to get where you are or how to get go from where you are to where you want to be regardless of the economy. And for me, that was a story to me when I was broke, stressed out, discouraged and struggling from the moment I made that definite decision. And I decided to connect with the top level people in my company that were already making money that I wanted and the success that I wanted. I was able to in five and a half months create a six figure income. And I was able to increase that working less. And I didn't know it was a framework at the time, Pat, but I realized that it was needed at the highest level because most entrepreneurs didn't know how to make money, didn't know how to turn their ambition and passion and energy into something that impacts, makes money and scales. So, and I, I realized that most books had so much fluff and BS and, Mm. and, Colleges weren't doing the best job teaching entrepreneurship. Some coaches weren't, parents weren't. So I just, I felt like I had to give, give a blueprint that was based on experience and results and past success to really help people go from being stressed out to really making money on or offline as well. So I, I was able to take that same formula. It took me seven or eight months to realize it was an actual formula or blueprint. And then I was able to do it in different industries. I created a membership site. I was speaking. Uh, I had the, obviously a book come out. I was also doing real estate, direct sales. So it is possible because I do have case studies. So I've seen entrepreneurs do it multiple times where they've made six figures in six months, starting from scratch. And I've seen people who were making 80 grand and now they're making 180 within three or four months as well with these tools. So to answer your question, yes, it's tough. 
But of course, everything is tough and seems impossible till it's actually done and consistently done over time by numerous people. Right, right. The four minute mile. Exactly. Thing. That's a really good example. Yeah. So, and, and it's funny. I knew when I made it, it's like some people are going to say, oh, it's all about money, six months, six figures. You can't do that. And I mean, I'm, I welcome the people that are like that. I haven't had too many, which is crazy. We're getting some great reviews. I think we have 600 something reviews on Audible in, in 10 weeks. <laughs> and yeah, that's great. For, for those of you listening, yeah. it's a 27 time international bestselling book. Is that correct? Yes. That's great. And, Congratulations. And I appreciate that. And I'll tell you that impacting people internationally is fun and it's something that I, I never dreamed of. And it's been fun on the journey. And it's, it's definitely humbling to write a book and share your story, but it, it was definitely a headache writing it. And I know, obviously, you know the experience. But oh my gosh! Yeah. Once I got it out, it felt. I'm so in good. it right now, so I'm like, ugh. Have you had any headaches, or has it been perfect? <laughs> oh, it's headaches every day. <laughs> but it, it's but gonna it's, be till it's, it's done. Sadly. Oh, I know, I know. And and you know, seeing that end goal and imagining sort of taking Hal Elrod's advice and imagining people reading it and getting use out of it and building their own uh, anything out of it um, based on the book I'm writing is is really what's driving me forward. So the headaches. It's just a sign that, you know, it's tough, but it's going to be amazing on the other end. And you've and you've done it the right way, Pat. You've built such an amazing platform. You have a, a ton of raving fans. Like I posted on Facebook all the things I'm doing. I'm getting interviewed by Forbes and some other stuff. I connected with Jay Papasan yesterday and connected with some pretty high-level entrepreneurs. And I put, um, I have a podcast with Pat and like three people automatically were like, oh my gosh, Pat. I love Pat. <laughs> I'm like, I did say other people too besides Pat. It was so funny. So you have some big fans. That's so you're so doing funny. it before. I, I love the community. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm taking the very long-term value. approach. I've been giving away free content for six, seven years now. And people have been begging me for for things to sell them, which is interesting. And, and I love that. And I think a lot of us could do that too. Although I I don't know if waiting six years to get paid for things is, is yeah. necessarily the best advice. But uh, building an audience and really providing value, that's really what it's all about. Great things happen when you do that. Oh, 100%. So that's why I knew the book was needed at the highest level. And, and I wanted to be the person that gave the blueprint for younger entrepreneurs on really how to make money on or offline the right way. Because there's really three or 4,000 ways to get to an end result. But mm -hmm. there's usually one to two optimal ways. And most entrepreneurs take the long route. And I wanted to take the short route. And I've connected with MJ DeMarco numerous times. And he's MJ's really ha has the fast lane mindset. And I want to teach people that because it's traditionally, it's not like that. I mean, I still talk to entrepreneurs. Well, my mom and dad want, I didn't ask what your mom and dad wanted. I asked what you wanted. <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm going to go to school, get a job. And then I'm going to eventually become wealthy when I'm 62. It's like, is that really what you want? I don't think it is. So that's why I wanted to give a book to show what's possible at a young age and really to raise people's standards and, and hopefully inspire people to take action. That's cool. And you also have a community at GameChangersMovement.com, which is dubbed as the premier community for young professionals and ambitious entrepreneurs. You've helped thousands of people start their businesses already. So I'm sure you've known or have noticed a lot of common problems that uh, or common issues, difficult things that young entrepreneurs especially go through when they're just starting out. So what, what have been some of the hardest struggles that people are having and how are they able to break through them or how are you able to help those people break through them? Yeah, good question. So I do, we did a survey to all the people that listen to my podcast as well as my game changers and some uh, uh, some of my lists. So we had a lot of people respond. So just to give value to people as far as what they were struggling with, the number one thing people are struggling with is A, lack of clarity, right? And mm -hmm. B, 
being consistent. So they were very inconsistent because they didn't have any systems in place. And the number one thing that they wanted, let's see if you can guess, Pat, the number one thing that was important to a young entrepreneur millennial, can you guess the number one thing they wanted uh, really in life in general? Freedom. Close. What was important to them? You wouldn't, I mean, it's tough. You wouldn't really think it. And it was about a couple thousand people that took it. Uh, recognition. Close. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Networking. They wanted to be around other like-minded people because they didn't have the right circle of influence. That was number one. Number Income oh. was number three. Mm-hmm. Freedom was number two. So, And I don't know if you've surveyed millennials as well. I'm sure there'll be different results. But the reality is networking was huge for them because they wanted to be around other like-minded people that understood them, that was able to have the same conversation. Because I think a lot of people feel lost because mm-hmm. they're connecting with people that they don't really relate to anymore because- That's cool that they know that though. Yeah, it is I true. think that's amazing because for me, I didn't know how important it was until I finally started doing it. It's it, it, That's the one thing they look for in jobs now. They have to have a, a community of networking and people that they can connect with and have a little bit of autonomy and fully believe in the company. Yeah, millennials are changing the game, man. I'll tell you that. So as far as some things that have really been, been tough- for me and for entrepreneurship, I think the things that people need to understand is first, failure, I think, is the only thing guaranteed. I really do. Dream jobs are disappearing, right? And creating your ideal opportunity now is the new normal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are getting into entrepreneurship, tell me if I'm wrong, with kind of a blurred perspective where they they see everyone doing well and living a lifestyle and posting pictures of them with a laptop on the beach, but they don't see the hustle and grind behind it of them working till 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night when they were in their sacrifice stage. So I think you need to understand yep. failure is, is guaranteed and how you respond to failure determines your success. And I think successful entrepreneurs are paid for their high tolerance for stress, pain, and pressure. People need to understand that they're paid for their high tolerance for stress and, and pain. I'm sure building your podcast, building your business, transitioning out of architecture, Pat, did you have growing pains? Did you ever second guess yourself and want to quit? <laughs> No one hears uh, those. Every day. Exactly. <laughs> but now they see you doing amazing. Tra- I'm guessing you travel a lot, right? When I was emailing you first, you're like, yeah, I'm in here. You're over there in different countries. So oh, yeah, are you yeah. still traveling a lot? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I just got back from Ghana and then Hawaii. I'm headed to Australia, but just kind of packing everything in the summer while my son, who's five now and in school, that's his time off. So so tell me, I don't have kids yet, but I'm, I'm scared to have kids because I love my lifestyle. Does, does that change when they're younger? Oh, your lifestyle will change. But for me, it's gotten much better. And in terms of productivity and work, it's actually helped me become a better entrepreneur. More effective. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 worked on both sides. The business that I run has helped me become a better father, but becoming a father has helped me become a better entrepreneur. And probably the biggest thing is now that I have uh, you know two kids, um, I make sure that the work that I do is the work that I need to do and nothing more. But- you know, I'm not wasting time. Every every second I waste in my business is a second that I'm t- I'm taking away from my family as well. Talk um, about so the motivation at a higher level. Oh gosh, I mean, it, John Lee Dumas I think talks about this on his podcast. How a lot of entrepreneurs who are featured on his show have had that baby effect. When when they have a baby, then they finally get you know they put the pedal to the metal because they have something worth fighting for. I was you know, just talking to David Seitman Garland about that a uh, week and a half ago. Yeah, just, he just had a kid. Yep, too. and he's like, it's it's a whole new level of motivation. I'm like, that's I've been hearing that a lot, so right. that's but awesome. I'm not I'm not saying, like, have a kid so that you can build a better business. <laughs> I'm not saying that. So uh, that's not why you had your kids? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. no, it was a cool byproduct, though, that's of, awesome. of having kids. Cool, I love that. 
So yeah, and that's what I realized is I, I was trying, when I was newer to entrepreneurship, I was trying to not fail at all and trying to get around failure and trying to do everything right. And I had the perfection mentality and it, it cost me a lot of money and a lot of headache and it cost me a year or two where I could have been more productive. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think that I realized that I think young entrepreneurs you know, realize is habits trump inspiration seven days of the week. Inspiration is needed to create consistent action, but your habits are going to ultimately define your, your success, your results, and, and your impact. It's been said mm-hmm. after seminars and even after listening to podcasts and reading books, only 5% use what they've actually learned. And, and I think that's because inspiration is short term and, and feels good in the moment, but it doesn't yeah. last past the activity producing it. And I think the biggest inspiration of all is seeing progress and results, which come from new habits. So I think that's a huge key. Another thing that was that I think is paralyzing our society, young entrepreneurs, is there's so much information out there. There's information overload. There's so much technology involving technology, information. There's content online, offline books, audios being created daily. And I think people need to really focus on mastery versus information overload. Instead of reading 50 books in a year, why don't you master three or four to where Mm -hmm. you can teach it to people as well and make sure that what you're studying, when I started defining what my goals were and really understanding the skills I needed and then only researching and reading about things that were fully congruent to those end results, it it totally changed my perspective of success. And I was able to reach bigger heights quicker because I was focused on mastery. And I think that's huge. And then like we talked about already, your circle of influence is going to, I think, make or break you in entrepreneurship. Leaving your mind open to negative influences or other people, I think, is a very common weakness of entrepreneurs, especially new entrepreneurs. And the poor choice of influence, I think, heads one of the top of the list of why most entrepreneurs quit prematurely. So to grow and learn and become the person who achieves the success that you see your guests talking about and us talking about, you have to have an exceptional supporting network. And I think that's huge. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. I think what I want to tell people is the bigger the goals, the bigger the challenges, the bigger the rewards, the tougher the journey. Whereas once you set a goal to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have challenges show up and They will show up consistently because they're there to test your character and faith to see if you're serious about becoming an entrepreneur. If there was no challenges, it wouldn't be worth anything. And everybody and their mom would be entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So you have to focus on the rewards on the other side of the struggle. And like you said, you're focusing on the end result of the book to where focusing on getting it in the hands of a hundred thousand people and getting emails and sharing your story with the world while making money while you're sleeping as well. That's a positive, but you have to visualize being your own boss, controlling your schedule and inspiring others while creating freedom for yourself if you really want to push past those challenges. So it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. I think chaos is guaranteed when you strive for greatness, but you got to adjust and adapt. Yeah, right. well said. You had mentioned earlier about productivity, you know, the how, you know, inconsistencies and in what people do is something that holds a lot of people back. And then you brought in how habits are very important. Uh, and and I, I find that to be absolutely true as well. And I've been working hard to create positive habits in my life that have helped me both in my personal life and in business. And in terms of creating habits, do you have any tips or systems or strategies for creating those positive habits? And what are those positive habits for you as an entrepreneur? Well, I think one of the biggest habits you can develop is 
simplicity and simplifying everything that you do into what really, really matters, one, and two, what gets results. So I think it's not really a tactical habit, Pat, but I think it's a habit that's needed is to focus on simplicity. So that's a mindset shift. It, it's a, you have to shift your mindset before you shift your habits. Mindset comes first, results come second. I mean, period. So if I'm giving tactical advice to someone who has the wrong perspective, they're going to go right back to the wrong perspective and the wrong mindset immediately. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's a key. But as far as habits go, I think one of the biggest habits is prioritizing and being extremely intentional on how you start your day. So for example, making sure you're seizing each day, but starting with a morning routine. I know you've had Hal, right, on here. Yeah. And he's oh, yeah. talked about the morning routine. Was he hyper as ever or was he quiet and calm? <laughs> he was hyper as usual, and I love Hal. <laughs> he's amazing. That's awesome. So one thing I do as far as the habit is I look at my one-page productivity plan every single day. And what's on the productivity plan is uh, ideal vision statement of the next six months of my business and my, my life. And then my three core values, my big five for the next six months. So I I put down my big five goals, what I want to accomplish in the six months. And then I write down my top five compelling reasons why I want to hit those goals. And I sell myself on the goals because if you don't sell yourself on what you're doing, you're going to let up or doubt yourself. And then I have my key behaviors and habits that I need to attract those five goals and to make sure I accomplish those. So I think the biggest habit is doing something daily that reminds you of your vision. So you're letting your vision guide you, not your current circumstances. Does that make sense? So looking yeah. at your goals daily is, is a huge habit. And so you have a one page productivity plan. I love this. People might end up creating a version of their own. <laughs> so I have a PDF I can send you if you want to send it to your people. That's fine. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool to, to look at. Um, and just to kind of go over it again, it's something you look at every day. Is it like something, a file you open up or is it printed out and you just look yep. at it? So good question. I have it. Lam- I have three copies laminated. Okay. And this is, this is a huge part of my productivity. Um, so I have three copies laminated. I have one right above my office right here that I can see on the wall. Then I have one posted in the shower. I don't want anyone to visualize in the shower up top. So I see it every single day. And then I have one in my planner pad that I look at when I'm traveling and stuff like that. So I have them everywhere. And it's, it's such a difference maker on consistency when you make sure that you have your vision and your goals that you've clearly defined guiding all your action. And it, it reminds you of what to say no to, what to say yes to, what to mm. focus on. And it's just that extra bit of focus that people need. And uh, it, it's hard to be inconsistent when you're focusing on that. I love that. So it has the three core values that you have, the big five goals that you have for the next six months or year. And I love this one, the top reasons for those goals. A lot of us write down goals, but then, you know, those are goals that we have in the moment that we have when we're writing them down. But we often forget, okay, why do we have those goals? And so having your reasons there for those goals and the reasons, you know, that are going to motivate you to do them, I think that's that's key. I think that's absolutely crucial. And I think I'm going to start thinking about that well, even more. Here's what you have to do. If you want to get real, I taught this to my sales team and we were able to do a lot of amazing things in sales and do millions in sales with, with, I had 18, 19, 20 year olds just crushing it, uh, winning scholarships, making great money. But I taught them this and they, they'll never forget it. I get people now that reach out years ago. Now they reach out and they said, Hey, that thing you taught me years ago, I still use today. And, and I really, that inspires me. So the reasons why is you have to write down probably 20 to 25, Pat. And the reality is 90% of those are BS. A nice car. Yeah. 
if you're still sleeping in and you're not up fired up early, you don't have strong enough reasons, period. So five or six of those reasons are the real deep compelling reasons. Like yours would be your kids. That's right. not an external, that's a really internal reason for you to where that's not gonna let you ever get complacent because it means a lot to you. So if people can come up with four or five of those, they might have to throw away 15 of them that yes, they're meaningful, but not really meaningful where they're like up at night, so focused and, and juiced up to take on the day. So you gotta really narrow them down to your internal top five. I love that. Maybe there's an exercise we can give everybody listening right now to come on the blog and leave a comment based on maybe one of the goals they have and maybe sharing also a reason for having that goal. Definitely. You know what's what interesting? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I'll tell you the importance of it. I had a, we had a sales contest for two weeks and we were able to break some, some pretty big records. And I had people making $15,000, $20,000 in a week or two and they're 18, 19 years old. So here's what happened though. It, it was amazing and I get chills thinking about it. So we had the top 10 people give their best reason. And I'm not joking from the number one salesperson to number 10, it almost seemed like number 10 had a great reason, but number nine was a little deeper and number one had the strongest reason. It's, it's what was a, that reason? Do you remember? I believe it was because his mom was sick and he needed to make the money to get her the treatment. Wow. But so he crushed it. Yes. And num- I think it. number three was they were getting, it was a, it was a rougher kid that I gave a chance and he was going to get, ev- his family was going to get evicted. So these were reasons that were deep, not like I want to buy a new car. Right. Right. These were deep reasons, but the, the bigger the reasons, the higher results they got. So that was a powerful That's cool. thing that I realized this was 2008 or 2009, but I never forgot the power of reasons. Whenever I find myself complacent or not focused, I just shake out the negativity or, or the complacency. And I look at my reasons and I get deep on what really, really matters. So that's huge. Yeah. We should definitely leave, have people leave comments. That'd be great. So, okay, can you define what they should be leaving in the comment section? Yeah, I think they should leave what their, their most compelling reason is to become a top-notch or an elite entrepreneur. What, what do they fall asleep thinking about? What's their hot button? I think if they can define, I, I would have them write down their top 10 and then narrow it down to their top one or two and then post below share that. Their, first, their, their top reason and then why that means something to them. And I promise you the ones that come up, and sadly, most people that won't do it, because it takes work or action, but the ones that do, maybe your maybe your uh, viewers are super engaging. I love that. But yeah, just their top reason. Anything else you want to add? I think that would be powerful. Yeah, no, I think that's great. We'll reiterate that after we hang up and before we sign off today. I'd love to see some reasons too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm we'll we'll have a bunch of them. I'm sure every time I've uh, asked the audience to act on something, you know people are very surprised about how many people actually take action. And that's a great sign for everybody out there uh, listening. So hopefully you'll take action on this. And if you don't have a chance to come on and leave a comment, hopefully you can at least think about what your top reason is for doing what you do. I mean, I think that's so important because thinking back to my life as an architect, I remember going into work and coming out of work every single day and not even really thinking about why I was doing what I was doing. It was just because that's the path I was on. And, you know, yeah, I had to get food on the table and put a roof over my head, but you know, I didn't think beyond that. Definitely. And, and either did I, when I was first getting into different businesses, I just wanted to get results and I wanted to possibly make money and get freedom. But I realized, I didn't realize that the results came or the, the reasons come first. And when right. I figured that out, it was such a game changer. Okay. Final question here before we hang up. And again, Peter, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, two final questions. First one, where can people find out more about you and what you have going on? Yeah. So 
I have a, a new book coming out, Pat, and it's theentrepreneurbreakthrough.com. And my website's on there. Um, they're going to get information about that. But to be honest, they can go to gamechangersmovement.com. I have a lot of information on there. And then on my Twitter, PeterVook23, I'm very active and engaging on there. I love connecting with people. If they have any questions, um, they can post them there as well. So really, it's it's uh, gamechangersmovement.com and theentrepreneurbreakthrough.com, and they can learn more about me. And then add me to Facebook and LinkedIn. And I love connecting with just young and hungry entrepreneurs that are really ready to take their game to the next level. So Awesome. And your last name is spelled V-O-O-G-D. The D is silent. Yep, G-D. So Peter Vug D. Good job. Cool. You said it <laughs> right. I don't yeah. do that often, but you said it. <laughs> Thanks. I'm always proud. <laughs> All right, final question here for people who already have a business or maybe people who listen to this in the future a second time after starting their business, how can they max out their income like as soon as possible? What are the 20% of things they could do to get 80% of the results right now in their business? Ooh, good question. I think the first thing that they need to really think about is where are they only shooting for 2X or 3X growth when they should be shooting for 10x growth? That's a question is where are they falling short as far as focusing on the results where they could be focusing at such a higher level of, of growth and progress? That, that's a question I ask myself and it's really made a pretty big difference uh, for me as well. So that's, that's one question is figure out where you can focus on 10x growth, not just 2x growth. And then three, I think if people can do these things, if they can eliminate right now, Everything that others do better than them, everything that drains their energy and their relationships that go nowhere, and they can increase everything they permanently love, everything that produces growth and everything that grows them and their team's confidence, and they can do that consistently. I think that's the, one of the, the game changers that can take their business to a whole new level because they're going to get clearer thinking. They're going to be higher level. Uh, they're going to be around higher level people. And really, that's how you maximize your growth and progress is get rid of everything that drains your energy and focus on improving things that increase your growth, confidence, and what you love as well. And think about what's that one thing that you should be focusing on at a 10x level that currently you're trying to incrementally improve. I think if they do that, I think they'll have a, a pretty big leap in results. Love it. Peter, thank you so much for your time on the show here today. I appreciate it. We'll have all the links and resources mentioned uh, here after we hang up. But uh, dude, thank you so much. Best of luck to you in your new book. Congratulations on all the success. And we look forward to even more from you in the future. Appreciate it, Pat. Thanks for all you do. Much respect to you as well. Cheers. Thanks, Peter. All right. Thank you so much for listening in today. One of the most important things we do here is we get you to take action. And one of the things we talked about in this episode, as you know, is heading over to the blog and leaving a comment about truly the number one reason why you do what you do. I think it's really important to share that and at least just understand it and hopefully this will help you give you an excuse to think about it because a lot of people work, like I said, without really knowing why they do what they do. Well, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 172. That's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 172 and leave a comment there and share why is it you do what you do? Why are you working so hard? Why are you hustling? What is the true number one reason why you are doing what you're doing. Leave that there. It's going to be very inspirational to read yours and everybody else's along together. And uh, yeah, Peter's going to go in there and actually, um, you know, explore and, and, and see if he can help you guys out too. So again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 172.
too. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Again, if you would just want to thank Peter really quick, he said he's very active on Twitter and I just had started following him uh, very recently. And yes, he is very active on Twitter at Peter Vogue. That's V-O-O-G-D 23. So P-E-T-E-R-V-O-O-G-D 23, like Michael Jordan, Peter Vogue 23. And uh, follow him there and you can see what he's up to. You can also go to GameChangersMovement.com and he has a new book coming out, The Entrepreneur Breakthrough, uh, which you'll be able to find on the show notes as well. SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 172. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to Peter for his stories, his wise advice, and all best of luck to you. Uh, thank you. Hey, really quick, I wanna let you know about a page on the website that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more, deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, Check it out, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. I also want to mention another company, and actually this is a, a browser extension and an app and something that I've been really, really excited about lately. This is called Sidekick, and this is by HubSpot. A lot of you know about HubSpot. Well, this is their new thing. You can find it at getsidekick.com slash SPI. I have this installed right now, so when I open my Gmail, I can see a lot of cool insights on those who I'm sending emails to. I get a little thing in the sidebar that gives me more information about them and who they are, their picture, but also when I get emails back, I get that too. But the coolest thing about this is you can receive live notifications when someone opens and clicks on your emails. And this by far has been one of the handiest things I've found with emails lately to have supporting me. So I can send an email, click a certain button, which is a sidekick button that lets me know that when a person opens my email, I just get a notification on my desktop that somebody's opened that email. So I can check really quickly, okay, is this person get, getting this really important email? And I don't do this for every email, just the important ones, but it's been very, very handy for me to see when somebody opens and clicks on my emails. Uh, it, it, it's almost like on your phone when you're doing text messages and you see that that other person has read what you've sent, it's, it's very handy. And if they haven't, then you know to resend them something and it's, it's very important. So go to getsidekick.com slash SPI to get your first month of Sidekick for free. Again, that's getsidekick.com slash SPI and you'll get your first month of Sidekick for free. Check it out. Thanks again so much. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the SPI podcast. Thank you all so much for your support. I appreciate it. And if you wanna support me in the best way possible, just keep taking action, that smart action out there that's gonna help move you forward in your business. Cheers, take care, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.